a un primero de mayo. <risa> Hello and welcome to the The Sam D Podcast. I am your host, Sam Duzame Jr. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube at The Sam D. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. For all content, audio, and visual, hit up thesamd.com. Follow along with the podcast on social media at The Sam D Podcast. Musical production done by May 1st Music. Support him at soundcloud.com slash May 1st Music. They told you they were going to take home a bronze. They told you they didn't have enough size. They told you the team wasn't talented enough. They told you we didn't send over our best players. They told you the world had caught up. They told you they were shook of Luca. They told you France had laid the blueprint. Yet and still, here we are, Team USA wins the gold medal with Javel McGee. <laughs> I don't want to hear no more of how the world has caught up, bruh. I don't want to hear it. Don't come to me anymore about how the world has caught up. We sent Javel over there and still took home the gold, bruh. We sent Javel last minute and still brought home the gold, bruh. Don't chat to me about any of that. Don't bring it up anymore. Don't talk to me about Luca when Luca can't even get to the gold medal game. Yeah, he was undefeated in group play or whatever, but he couldn't get it done in the biggest spot. He passed the rock, his man's missed, and it was a wrap. Batum with the block, it's all good. We saw it. Ball on points don't mean shit if you can't get to the gold medal game. So I don't want to hear no more talk about the rest of the world. FIBA's team basketball concept is too much. NBA players are expecting fouls and they don't know how to react. They threw a bunch of dudes together within a 10-day training camp, including Drew and Middleton, who were still playing in the finals while they were training. They took a red eye over right after the finals and still led the team to gold. I don't want to hear no more about that. The world is catching up shit. We sent our maybe 10th best version of what the roster could be. And it's probably worse than that. But off top, that's probably the 10th best version of what you can send over there. I mean, shit, Javel's on that squad. That might be the 20th best version. Maybe even the 30th best. How many versions, how many reiterations of rosters would you have to go through if you're going through the best American-born basketball players and JaVel McGee is your backup center? We sent that over there and brought home a gold. Fuck out of here. They lost one game to France. And all of a sudden, the blue check boys and the pundits who get paid to just talk bullshit on TV and on social media were telling you they're going to be lucky if they get a bronze. And now it's a week and a half, two weeks later, and KD's got a flag dropped around his neck with a gold medal. Because you know what the rest of the world hasn't caught up with? Making Kevin Durant's. Making Damian Lillard's. They haven't figured that out yet. They could make a Batum. They could make a Rudy. But they can't make a full 100% DMV PG County. They can't make 100% of that. They can make half of those. That's how you get the Batums. They get half of those. But you can't get 100%. You can't make a Dame Lillard. 
Patty Mills looked unstoppable. Ricky Rubio looked unstoppable. Where were they at? Were they in the gold medal game? They spent all this time hyping up how players that aren't highly thought of in NBA circles were going nuts in FIBA, were going nuts in the Olympics, only to have Slim Reaper be Slim Reaper, Dame be Dame, how Zach Levine played defense. Zach Levine played defense. Drew Holiday, fresh off, shutting down the point fraud, and D-Book goes over to China and shuts down anything France had to do in the gold medal game. Anything. Any person that got hot for a little bit too long, they put Drew on them, and it was curtains for that. Talent over everything. We sent the best basketball player in the world to the Olympics, and he brought home a gold medal, which is what he's supposed to do. We sent another top five basketball player in the world, and he brought home a gold medal, because that's what he's supposed to do. We sent a top 10 player in the world, and he came off the bench, and he brought home a gold medal, which is what he was supposed to do. Enough of that shit, okay? Stop trying to write the headlines and be the first one to get the takeoff of how Team USA is done. It's a wrap. Now, Popovich is past his prime. Popovich does have an antiquated way of looking at offense. Even me, someone who still believes, you know, you can win with playing inside out. I'm not stupid enough to ignore the three which Popovich has been on record as saying he does not like the three. He does not like the concept of how overutilized a three-pointer is. He said that on record. I mean, if you look at his Spurs teams, they're always categorically towards the bottom in three-pointers attempted. These are facts. And you see the Dane quotes, because Lucas said it's so much easier to score in the NBA than in FIBA. And people took that as a diss to the NBA. And Dame broke it down. Word. You could camp out in the lane in FIBA. No defensive three seconds. You can't just drive to the cup. Yes, it is easier in the NBA because once you drive past your man, unless the big man just happens to be there and it's under three seconds, you got a free lane to the cup. So yes, if you actually parse what he's saying, yes, in certain ways it is easier. But you know what trumps all of that shit? Having the best talent. It's so much easier for Luka to score in the NBA, but Luka can't get out the first fucking round. He's on a T-Mac trajectory, but y'all don't want to talk about that yet. Y'all don't want to talk about that yet. The Blue Check Boys damn sure don't want to talk about that yet. He's on a T-Mac Tracy McGrady trajectory. Not T-Mac in Toronto, not in the 6, not in the North. T-Mac in Orlando trajectory. That's where Luke is at right now. I've called him Slovenian Harden, and I still feel that way. But in terms of his points production, in correlation with his playoff success, he's looking a lot like T-Mac in Orlando. And those who know, know what I'm talking about. It's so easy. Then get out the first round then. It shouldn't be a problem to drop 60 then. If it's that fucking easy, drop 60 a game. If it's that easy to score in the NBA, then get out the first round. Show us how easy it is. You're good for a game or two, and then your body gets beat up. Maybe if you stop coming into camp fat and out of shape, maybe you could get out the first round. Blue Check Boys don't want to talk about that. We were too busy looking at the beard and how fat and out of shape he was, but he was tanking. Slovenian Harden, though, fresh off a coming out party in the bubble, reports to camp out of shape and fat. And breaks down again for the second straight postseason. But no one wants to talk about that. Slovenian Harden looking like T-Mac in Orlando. Keep an eye on it.
it's always fun to watch certain fan bases react to moves. And I tweeted this out, but two of my favorites are always Lakers Twitter and Heat Twitter. They're two of my favorites. And or just people reacting to Laker and Heat moves. So you have the fan bases, Lake Show, Heat Nation reacting. Then you have people reacting to those reactions. And then you have someone like me laying in the cut with my popcorn out, watching it all. And it was a funny thing. So the Russ, Russie is now back home. Shout out the Nip, Victory Lap, Crenshaw's Finest, the marathon continues, Slauson Boy, whatever you want to do. Light it up, put on that blue laces, blue laces too. Let that bass marinate, shout out to Flossie. And think now of what Russie, AD, and Braun can do if they really out here running and gunning in the playoffs. It's not about the regular season. Regular season doesn't matter. They're going to load manage the fuck out of this. And it, that became pretty obvious off rip. Like, I didn't need... Any analytics, I didn't need any metrics. I didn't need any tea from the industry to let me know that if Russie is on board and is going to be with the Lake Show, then that means Braun is in cruise control next year in the regular season, as he should be. And then came the instant analysis. And that's why I know some of y'all probably wanted me to drop a pod right after Russie got to the Lake Show. And I could have. I said, there's got to be more here. And I tweeted as such. I thought, you know, we had all heard that Buddy Heald was supposed to be in a mix somehow, some way. That didn't materialize. So we had to move on. So I said, well, let me wait because there's got to be more here. And finally, a whole bunch of dudes started running to L.A. And Kendrick Nunn said it best. Now formerly of the Miami Heat, and we'll get to them in a bit. I'll paraphrase. He basically said, yo, I mean, who doesn't want to go to the Lakers right now? Who wouldn't? Who's turning down going to the Lakers? Well, we know of one person, Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> he turned him down in the regular season. He turned down, what, 84 M's? Turned down 84 M's because he wanted 100 M's. And it's about a week after free agency started. And man's are still looking for a job, and a whole lot of point guards got signed, but not Dennis Schroeder. You know who his agent is, right? Julius Randle's agent. You know who Julius Randle's agent is, right? Paul George's agent. And if you've been listening to this pod for a minute, y'all should know what that means. Just go back in the archives, or if, if you want to do yourself and do some Googling, Google Paul George's agent and look at how he moves, and that might explain how Dennis Schroeder turned down that type of money from the Lakers and is somehow still unsigned. Just saying. So anyway, the whole instant analysis was, oh, there's no spacing. There's no spacing. LeBron, LeBron the GM in combination with Palinka. They don't know what they're doing. Russ can't shoot. Russ is not a threat from the outside. It doesn't make sense. You're going to have LeBron being the best three-point shooter on the floor, and that's not conducive to a championship team. You had all the instant analysis, right? And I'm like, well, they traded a whole bunch of dudes in that trade, so there's going to be some signings. And while this free agent class isn't the deepest because Giannis re-signed, he was supposed to be the crowning jewel, and Kawhi did what Kawhi always does, and that's tease other fan bases, which we'll get to later, into thinking they had a chance when they never really did, and re-signed ultimately with the Clippers. There was a bunch of dudes, and they're available, and they're all pulling up. You got Wayne Ellington, shooter. You have Malik Monk, shooter. You have the aforementioned Kendrick Nunn, shooter. My man, Mamelo Carmelo, shooter. Trevor Ariza, 
I don't know if I would still call him a shooter at this point in his career, but, you know, quasi-shooter. That's five guys that just pulled up instantaneously and said, here, I'll pull up, I'll come out there, and I'll come for the low, and I'll go out there and try to get a ring. THT came back. Caruso leaves, goes to the Bulls. We'll get there. Caruso leaves. THT gets the bag. THT now probably gets an elevated role. He'll probably get a lot of Caruso's minutes. They bring back D39, who never really wanted to leave in the first place. It only took a timing contract snafu for him to be a free agent to leave to go pull up in Philly anyway. So he never really wanted to leave. So now he's back. So Drummond is out of there. Drummond goes to Philly. D39 goes back to LA. Marcus All is still there. I mean, this Lakers squad looks all right to me. But you had to wait. But nobody, you can't wait anymore. You just have to tell me what you think right now. And like, dogs, relax. There's more at play here. I'm not rushing. I'm not going to jump out the window with the crazy take. Let me see what they do, then I'll analyze it. And here we are. They're shooters now. So the spacing narrative can go bye-bye. Then there was all, they're bringing in all these old guys. Melo's old. They're bringing in Trevor Rees and these old dudes. Um, Kendrick Nunn is young. <laughs> Malik Monk is young. Those guys are going to get significant run next year. I don't think Trevor Ariza is getting more run than Malik Monk or Kendrick Nunn next year. But go off, though. So, again, instant analysis is actually content paralysis. Because you can't really do anything. You can't react. You're just reacting to the reaction. So it was funny to see the tweets come flying of, one, the first thing, Oh my God, Russ in LA, that's crazy. Then it was, oh wait, Russ, Braun, AD, they gave away all their shooters, allegedly. KCP, uh, Kuzma, this probably means the end of Wes Matthews in LA. So it meant, oh man, there's, there's no more shooters. So all spacing, spacing's a problem. Then they go get some shooters, <laughs> right? To stop the narrative. And to fill out the depth chart. And then it turned into, oh, they're bringing in all these old guys. Melo's old. Trevor Rees is old. What's going on? And then they go and they go get Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn. And now it's, oh my God, this is a super team. Since when has the signing of Kendrick Nunn, Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk, Wayne Ellington been considered a super team? Yes, there's a lot of names on the roster. When you pair, if you told me you, you could potentially have a starting five on a given night of Russi, Braun, Mello, AD, Dwight, Word, and 2K, bananas. But when you throw in the fact that all those dudes except AD are old as hell, that's not a super team. Stop it. You can't have it both ways. You can't say this roster is old as hell, but it's a super team. Because the last time we did that, that team tricked off the finals. And that was another Laker team. With old-ass Shaq, disinterested Kobe, old-ass raping Carl Malone, statutory raping Carl Malone, and an old-ass GP. Four Hall of Famers in the lineup, and they tricked off the finals to the Pistons. So you can't have it both ways. We thought that was a super team until we saw an actual team go in there and Swiss cheese them up. Let's not make that same mistake twice. This is not a super team. We know Russie's flaws. Shit, we know Braun's flaws. Some of y'all think AD's flaws is that he's injury prone. When you, if you compare him to even Slim Reaper and Kyrie, they've missed more time than him. 
But go off though. So where do you stand? Is this Laker team a super team? Because I would like to know why. You're telling me Melo at the very end. LeBron damn near at the end. Russi heading in the same direction at the end. Dwight damn near at the end. And then you have AD who's fighting off injuries. You're telling me a starting lineup that has THT in it is a super team? A starting lineup that could have Wayne Ellington, Malik Monk, old-ass Trevor Reza is a super team. Can't make this shit up, bro. You really can't. And Heat Twitter is even worse. So the Heat jump out the window and go bring in Cal Lowry and... You know, the Heat were actually thinking that they could go get Lowry and DeRozan to South Beach. They thought they could pull that off. They thought they can have, you know, old-ass Raptors pull up to Biscayne and get it cracking. They really thought that could happen. And then there was the alluring notion of maybe Kawhi pulls up. Jimmy and Kawhi are close. If you remember a couple of years ago when Kawhi went to the Clippers and he was trying to choose who he was going to run with, allegedly, Jimmy was the first call. So now, oh, well, look. We could bring in, they could sign and trade Lowry. They allegedly have room for one more max player. Oh, well, there's the, uh, the allure there. And that's what a lot of teams are falling for, the allure of, oh, well, maybe kind of sorted down the line, we might be able to bring in the next guy. We might be able to go go get a max player. So the Heat, who seemingly always to be in this position, and they somehow view that as a good thing, they're always somehow one big max player away. They flirted with Giannis. Giannis went back to Milwaukee. They said no to the beard. They thought they were in the Kawhi mix two years ago. They thought they were in the Paul George mix a few years ago. The Miami Heat are always allegedly in the mix for these max players. They're very much like the Celtics. Where you keep hearing their names thrown in these trade rumors or these potential free agent destinations, but it never actually materializes. So here they went again. And the Cal Lowry thing became official. And then everyone said, hey, look, DeRozan, Kawhi, okay. They can still maybe be in a mix for Dame, okay. You know, point fraud might pull up. Like, it was all these, just these random heat culture is going to usurp all. And at the end of it, they got what? P.J. Tucker and Cal Lowry. They better hope Bam's better. They better hope Tyler Hero isn't still stuck on that P.J. Washington shit. They better hope those dudes are better. Because while you can say they got better, how much better? Are they a couple of games better in the playoffs better? Are they two more wins in the playoffs better? Just off P.J. Tucker and Cal Lowry? I can't say that. I can't say that. But if you let Heat Twitter tell you, like, they're a piece away. They're always there, forever a piece away. But even though they're a piece away, they're still a championship contender. Funny how that works. Heat culture, by and large, just makes them by default a championship contender. Even though they'll also admit they're a piece away. Because they had a run in the bubble that was unforeseen by anybody. And that somehow somehow validates heat culture. Yes, let's get to the Bulls. So, obviously, anything the Bulls do that's considered positive or just news... There's people that still feel the need to let me know in case I haven't seen it. So Lonzo goes to the shy. Lonzo Ball is a bull. 
The Bulls have finally admitted that Kobe White is not a point guard, something I could have told them on draft night. So they finally admit that Kobe White is not a point guard, so they went and actually got a point guard in Lonzo Ball and had it pay 80-plus M's for it when they could have just not drafted the dude that's a two-guard and forced him to do point guard duties two to three years ago. But anyway, we here now. So the Bulls have, in theory, let's see, how many, how many, how many All-Stars do they have in their lineup now? Levine, DeRozan, Vucevic. They got three All-Stars, and Lonzo, if he keeps ascending, and I know it's taken him a minute, he has All-Star talent. So he's three in the possible. There's three in the possible All-Stars in the Chicago Bulls lineup. So people are now throwing all the roses at the Bulls in their front office for getting back into the game, trying to be relevant. They're doing anything possible to make the playoffs. Here's the thing about making the playoffs. If the goal is just to make the playoffs, the Bulls have put themselves in a position to do just that. Here's the problem, though. Imagine having three and a possible all-stars, and you're still a seven seed. Because let's name off the teams that the Bulls are not better than as of right now. Are the Bulls better than the Bucks? No. Are the Bulls better than the Sixers? No. Are the Bulls better than the Nets? No. Are the Bulls better than the Heat? No. Are the Bulls better than the Hawks? No. Are the Bulls better than the Celtics? No. Are the Bulls better than the Knicks? Yeah. So that's seven. That's a seven. Seven seed. And then we we, we could talk about the Pacers. There's other teams hovering. We could talk about LaMelo and now Bug Knight. In Charlotte. And there's other pieces to be moved there, allegedly. Orlando's coming. So there, there's a lot of team. The East is going to become surprisingly tough this next season. And to me, I think the East was down last year. And maybe even the year before that. It's been pretty much only four teams that have been legitimate in the East over the last four to five years. Now you have a case where the East, in terms of championship quality or championship contention, you could go about five teams deep. You could. So the Bulls did all of this, three in the possible All-Stars in the starting lineup, and I don't know if they're any more than a seven seed. Now they'll tell you that that's not reality. They'll tell you that they should be higher than that, I just don't know how that works. Unless everyone falls down and goes boom again next year and they have a Nick-like season where they're overachieving and have a bloated record that doesn't really warrant the talent that's on the roster, then maybe. But if everyone is, by and large, healthy, how are the Bulls better than four other teams? Five other teams? How can the Bulls get a top four seed? You make these kind of moves, you're saying your window is now. Your window to do what? What is a core of Zach Levine, Vucevic, DeRozan, and Lonzo Ball supposed to get you? How far is that supposed to go? On paper, is that a second round? Is is that a second round team? Is that a team that makes a second round? Or is that just a team of names? It's a team that will make sure you're not getting blown out every night and you might blow out OKC. You might blow out the bottom feeders of the league. But I don't know if that team is going into Milwaukee and getting the dub. They might blow out Detroit. I don't know if that squad's going into ball clays on the heron bone floor and getting it done in the big spot. I don't know. I don't know. 
So it's just interesting how people react to things. Like, oh man, look, the Bulls are back. Back to what? They traded for an all-star in midseason. And the record was horrible after the trade. They fell out of playoff contention after the trade. All right, now you go get DeRozan. I mean, y'all have watched DeMar DeRozan, right? Not that much has changed from his Toronto days when he was tricking off playoff series in the six. Now, Lonzo, y'all know how I feel about Lonzo. I'm here for it. I'm here for any facilitating point guard that can play defense and move the rock. So I'm here for it. That is a significant upgrade. I don't know if that means that's a top four seed in the East upgrade. Top five seed in the East upgrade. I don't know if it's that good of an upgrade, but it's an upgrade. It's getting into the playoff upgrade. Getting into the playing tournament upgrade. But I mean, the notion that this starting lineup is now going to become a thing. They have Pat Williams and, you know, in this deal. Now, I don't think they have a first round pick until 2026. So if this goes bad, there's no way to replenish. That's the thing here. The Bulls have invested in three and a half all-stars, three and a possible all-stars. And if this goes bad, there's no way to replenish. There's no do-overs. It's the things people don't think about, stuff like that, that bothers me. Did you see the uh, the Warriors GM, or the, no, the owner? The owner basically put the blame on Steph and them if, if they don't get it done this year. You know, I immediately came on here right after the draft lottery and said, yo, the Warriors should do something with them lottery picks and try to go get Dame if they really want to make one more run. And, you know, then it kind of came out weeks later. Hint, hint, wink, wink. That, oh, yeah, the Warriors are kind of sniffing around on Dame. And nothing eventually happened as of yet. The Warriors still kept, they held on to those lottery picks and they drafted two youngins. Two youngins were upside. They didn't take players that necessarily fit. They took players that would be attractive in a trade. So it still would lead you to believe that, okay, even though on paper they did not trade those lottery picks, those lottery picks can still get traded at some point in the very near future. So what are we waiting on? Now you took these kids. Now you got to wait until I believe the moratorium is up. Is it the end of this calendar year or early next year when you can trade first round picks? But now you got to wait. If the Warriors want to go get Dame, if they want to be in play for Bradley Beal, if they want to do anything like that, they got to wait. They got to do it in season. And now they have these two kids with upside, tremendous upside, that they can now include in a deal. Here's the problem, though. What if the Warriors get off to a good start? Now you're hanging on to trade assets that don't necessarily fit your style of play, allegedly. You're, they basically took those two lottery picks and drafted players they know other teams would want in a trade to get a big chip back. So they didn't draft for need. They didn't draft for fit. They drafted for trade potential. That's what you got with what the Warriors did with their two lottery picks. So now the Dubs have to sit and wait, and they re-signed Steph. You know, there was a blue check boy that's not really an insider, but he's more of an analytics dude who fashions himself as an insider, who jumped out the window and talked about how Steph was not going to re-sign. And literally within hours, the reports came flying about on the timeline of how Steph was going to re-sign. Blue check boys. Can't make this shit up. So... If you're the Warriors, though, if you're Steph, because Steph re-upped. So, in theory, all the major components are locked up. Steph, Clay, Draymond, they're locked up for the foreseeable future. 
your owner has laid down the gauntlet and said, if y'all don't win this year, that's on y'all, not on me. Clay is back in theory. Draymond should be in good shape, fresh off Team USA getting the gold. And Steph showed us last year that he's healthy again. So y'all should be able to run it back like it's two years ago before all y'all fell down and went boom, including KD. Y'all should be able to run it back like a few years ago. But it ain't a few years ago. So let's play the other side. If the Dubs get off to a rough start, I'll ask this question again. When does Steph say it's time? It's time to move. I don't think that extension means he retires a warrior. I think that's the narrative they would want you to believe. I mean, it's a four-year extension, so it makes sense. But as we've seen over these, I mean, Russie's contract has been an albatross ever since OKC gave it to him about five years ago. And that contract has been flipped every single year. So all these contracts are movable. No contract is untradeable. So that Curry contract can get moved as well. How long, if you're Steph Curry, do you give the Doves to figure it out? If they're struggling and they got two lottery picks chilling there and it's the trade deadline, do you implore them to do it? And if they don't do it, then you say, all right, well, I'm out. Because I only got two to three more years of peak whatever I am. I want to go get another run in. I think I could go get another ring in somewhere else. Because Draymond's only going to get more older and less effective. Clay, we're all going to wait and see how he looks, and we're going to assume he's at least 90% of what he used to be. But even that has his limitations. You can't tell me they're believing anything significant in A. Wiggins as a piece down the line. And we saw what Steve Kerr did in partially ruining Weissman's rookie year. So this organization that claimed they were going to revolutionize basketball by taking more threes and coming up with the, you know, revolutionary take of our threes are more than your twos. And changing the way people look at basketball and think about basketball and analyze basketball. That team now is stuck in trying to continue to prove that same point. The Warriors fell into two of the greatest shooters of all time. And then maximized that by building an offense and building a scheme that exploits the fact that no other team can shoot with the proximity, with the accuracy of what they can do. They tricked the system. They cheated the game. Teams went out and tried to copy them and they couldn't quite replicate it. Then they went and really put the game genie on by go getting Slim Reaper when they figured out, oh shit, LeBron and Kyrie were good enough to beat us in our revolutionary basketball. In our metric-breaking basketball. LeBron and Kyrie's iso ball somehow beat our revolutionary R3s and more than U2s basketball. Fuck. Put the game genie in. Enter Kevin Durant. Okay, now nobody can fuck with us. Because now we got three. Three of the greatest shooters of all time on one lineup. Not even Bron could do that. Not even Bron could beat that. Not even Bron and Kyrie, Bron and Kevin Love, Bron and whoever couldn't beat that. But then KD bounces. Now you're just back to the two dudes. Get back to the two dudes that Bron and Kyrie isoed their way past in seven games. When you blew that 3-1 lead, when you had the when you had the 73 and 9 and lied. They're putting the onus back on the players. My question is, what has the organization done? After Kevin Durant, their answer to replacing Kevin Durant was A. Wiggins. 
We're going to rebuild on the wall first. My bad. It was D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell at first, then A. Wiggins. And now a whole bunch of lottery picks. They fell into three lottery picks over the course of two years. And none of them fit their system. And Steve Kerr hasn't shown a penchant for knowing how to work with big men or athletic wings. Now the coaching job begins. When they were trash, when Steph got hurt, Clay was already out, and KD had bounced, Kerr said that was the first time, that was his best time coaching as a member of the Warriors. Oh, that was cute. That was a cute thing to say. Not an accurate thing to say, but a cute thing to say. It appealed to those in the know. It's going to be interesting. I don't, I don't know what you do if you're Steph and you re-upped because, you know, you take the bag when they offer it. You take the bag when they offer it, right? You see how that happened with the point fraud. Point fraud could have had 45, 50 M's on the table. And because, well, here's the spin. Here's the spin. So y'all know how I feel about the point fraud. I'm not going to run it down how I normally do. But 45 M's on the table declines the option. So he re-ups for four years, 120. Now, shouldn't take you too long to figure that out. That's 30 mil. So he turned down 45 M's for one year to get 30 mil over the next four years. 30 mil per. So that sounds like a win. Well, look, you, you turn 45 into 120. Makes sense. It's the re-up. Hold on. <laughs> Allegedly, there's some funny money in this contract. And the funny money is in incentives. The funny money is in that in year three, there's some partial guarantees. And in year four, it's a team option. So let's go ahead and lob that year off. That's a team option. And the point for all will be 40. And I don't care. Look, if he's plant-based, you know, I, I support that because y'all know how I give it up on that plant-based shit for about eight joints now. Even I don't think he can still hoop at 40. He not hooping at 40. Oh, not hooping at a level where he deserves whatever the money's going to be on the back end to get that, to get the Suns to re-up and pick up that team option. He not going to be there at 40. And if he is there, they're not picking up that team option at 40. So let's take that, that money off the table. The third year has partial guarantees. $15 million in partial guarantees. That's funny money. So that's half the bread. So we're already taking off the money from the fourth year, because that's a team option. And then half the money in year three is gone because it's partial. So that's 15 mil and then 30 mil for the first two years per year. That's 75 mil. So you turn down 45 mil for one year for 75 mil over three? Make it make sense. That's math. Unless you got evidence to the contrary. And again, all of this is alleged. Somebody in the Phoenix area leaked some of the contract information for the point fraud. And from what his sources told him, that's where we at with it. Fourth year is a team option. Third year, half of the money is partially guaranteed. That's NFL funny money style. So man signed up, turned down one for 45 for three for 75. Y'all do the math and get back to me how that works as the leader of the MBPA. But with Steph, you got the bag, you got the re-up, but now what? You just play it out? If Draymond continues on what I feel is a downward trajectory, if Clay is a diminished version of himself, but still in that 85 to 90% of what he was, is that still enough? 
in the West? Steph being Steph, Clay being at 90%, and Draymond being whoever he is, is that better than Utah? Is that better than, I mean, is that better than the Clippers? Is that better than the old English font? Everybody back. I mean, I don't know if Kawhi going to be back. But, I mean, that team made it to the Western Conference Finals. We'll see what they do with, with Reggie Jackson. I, I don't know if the Dubs, three years removed from being their dominant selves, I don't know if that roster is still good enough to be considering we don't need to make a move yet. The fact that they're just putting the onus clearly on Steph, Clay, and Draymond as if this is five, six years ago when they were at their peak, I think it's laughable. It's laughable to assume that the Warriors can still be the dubs of 73 and 9 and they still lied, or even the earlier runs before that. That team ain't this year's team. Steph might still be able to get it off and shimmy his way to 30 a night. We don't know how Clay looks, and Draymond is less effective. I don't know, man. I don't know what y'all do. I don't know what y'all do with that. Let's let's head over to Brooklyn real quick. So the the Nets went out there and got Patty Mills. I think Patty Mills is a is a really good addition, especially since Dinwiddie is gone. Um, he's going to Washington with Bradley Beal for however long Bradley Beal is going to remain there. And Patty Mills brings a a dimension that we saw the Nets lacked with all the injuries. And you don't want to assume injuries again next year. But, I mean, look, Kyrie and KD have missed more time than Anthony Davis. And y'all call Anthony Davis injury prone. So what the hell are KD and uh, Kyrie? Anywho. And then throwing the beard and, yeah. So, Patty Mills brings that that similar type of dimension that Dinwiddie does, albeit not as tall. He's a FIBA killer. I don't know how that translates into now a spot where he's going to be expected. He's going to be expected to be a, like a significant player. I don't take the Patty Mills thing as being light. Patty Mills is going to have to come in, come into Barclays and do work. Because they're going to lower manage the fuck out of that squad too next year. If Steve Nash knows what he's doing and now he's lost his um his security blanket and Mike D'Antoni who bounced. He's going to have to, I mean, look, we know who runs that squad. Y'all, y'all saw me break down what was in that book. We know who runs that franchise. And you saw how KD re-upped quietly. He got his four-year extension. So Steph got his four-year extension. KD got his four-year extension. And away we go. All this talk of, and we'll we'll get there, teams that have all this cap space and we're just waiting. We're just going to see. We You know, you got to be in the game to have a chance. And da-da. All right, but all these dudes are re-upping. All these players are re-upping. But, you know, keep saving that cap space. Keep thinking you could just, you know, wish somebody over to take up all that cap space. Go ahead. Patty Mills is important. And there's been a lot of vet minimum contracts being signed all over the league and signing trades and trying to move salaries off the books. You know, one salary that won't get moved off the books even on the Nets, even for a guy who doesn't play that much, if at all, your man's DeAndre. DeAndre ain't going nowhere, bro. And there was some reports basically like, yeah, he's he's damn near as untradeable as Kevin Durant. <laughs> Can you imagine? DeAndre Jordan, who's clearly washed, Steve Nash made, you know, basically a a, a deal with Katie and Kyrie. Like, look, y'all, y'all, y'all can get whatever y'all want off in regards to the roster. But even though he's your man's, I can't play your man's. They went and dusted off Nicholas Claxton and gave him more run as a big than DeAndre Jordan after they traded Jared Allen. Right. 
That's how that went. That's how bad it is for DeAndre. And DeAndre's an untradeable. And it's amazing the role that he's carved out for himself when he's clearly past his prime. I mean, they brought Blake Griffin back so him and Blake could be together again and, you know, ride that out maybe into the sunset. But it's amazing when you look at the relationships in the league and how I've talked about it. LeBron started with the whole player empowerment thing, but I think KD really has turned this shit into AAU. I will keep saying it. He has turned this shit into AAU. Just go hoop with your mans. Go hoop with your mans. You see Donovan Mitchell, he went and got Eric Paschal. Now, again, that's not no big three soon to come or big two even, but I mean, that's his mans and he wanted to hoop with his mans, so they made whatever trade necessary to get his mans onto the Utah squad and this is what the league is. Relationships. Who are your best players friends with with other players in the league? And are they good enough? And can we bring them in? It's nothing new. Like Rodman had Jack Haley. If you signed Dennis Rodman, you had to go get Jack Haley because Jack Haley was basically Rodman's designated driver. He was his chaperone. He was his caddy. You look at those Bulls rosters, you saw Jack Haley. and like, who the fuck is Jack Haley? Well, he's there because Dennis Rodman's there. You know, but as y'all know, and y'all learned from the last dance, Dennis is an extreme case. <laughs> but now it's such the norm in the league that, yo, I play with this dude to AAU. I, I want him to come hoop with me. I have enough power and sway in this organization that I want y'all to go get my mans. We're going to hoop together. Y'all want to keep me happy? Go get my mans. I mean, shit, Knicks tape did that with JR. They brought his little bro in. You can literally point at damn near every significant roster and find someone whose mans is on the team. Like the best player's mans is somehow on the team or in the organization of some sort. So this is what it is. DeAndre Jordan, untouchable. The Mecca was alive the other night. Well, the baby room next to the actual Mecca. It was a night that reminded us of yesteryear. Or, if you're me, earlier this year. There was an energy that reminded you of an earlier time. Some would say a better time. A time where authenticity and originality mattered. A time where carving out your own lane was more important than sales. Respect mattered. Power mattered. And despite the song that rang off inside the baby room next to the Mecca the other night, money didn't really garner that much respect. But how did what happened the other night in the baby room next to the Mecca remind me of what happened the last time something significant took place inside the actual Mecca? Well, walk with me. Inside the baby Mecca, you had a group that was thought to be a contender, but in actuality, they were food. Inside the actual Mecca, you had a team that was believed to be back, but they were actually food. Inside the baby Mecca, their leader almost got his kicks took from him in broad daylight. Inside the actual Mecca, their leader got his soul took over five games in broad daylight. Inside the baby Mecca, the group that was known for slick talking... Couldn't keep up with the Grammy talk, the limp sinking talk, or the geography talk. Inside the actual Mecca, a six foot ten inch Swiss born African whose hair was inspired by New Jack City or even paid in full said he was sending a roster full of most improved players of the year, six men of the year, former MVPs, and coaches of the year on vacation and did exactly that i can keep going both tricked off home court advantages both forgot where they came from but the bottom line is what happened at the baby mecca was very similar to what happened at the actual mecca a group of overrated talent got their doors blown off by a well more rounded group that played to its strengths 
didn't lean on hype or reputation or fugazi narratives. They knew their role and played to it. Everyone got a look. Everyone touched the rock. The disrespect was even similar. I mean, I think seeing your opponent bowing at half court after a dagger three is basically like getting your bandana snatched off your head. The group in the baby mecca was hanging on to past glory that they thought they could just summon to give fans that old feeling back. While at the actual mecca, there were screams of we want Brooklyn after one home win, which then turned to spitting and then ultimately cheering for their opponent while booing the team that actually plays in the Mecca. What a time. Is it no coincidence that the group in the Baby Mecca went viral early this year for shooting a promo vid at half court? That same court where the team that actually plays there would go on to trick off two out of three home games in the first round to a franchise that's known for playoff failures? The group in the baby Mecca has a member with no teeth. The team in the actual Mecca will soon have players with no knees. I could keep going, but you saw for yourself. A group that was being propped up to be something that rural ones knew they weren't. A group that made a base believe that it's now time to come out and relive in those moments from oh so many years ago. A group that hasn't been relevant for a long time, but is still somehow revered for a legacy that isn't really valid. Went out in front of the world at the crib and got chin checked. It's time to let that hurt go. It's time to realize the legacy hasn't aged well. The promise of a return to excellence is just... Fool's gold. Let the hurt go. It's okay. Trust. I know it's difficult. You probably have friends and maybe even family that will entice you to still believe. Don't do it, though. Please. For your own sanity, don't do it. You're better than that. I believe that you, yes, you, are better than that. Through this podcast, you have learned about the mental illness that is fandom. So why do it to yourself? In these times, in this climate, why? There are so many different ways to spend your time than to invest in such a washed product. Time is finite. You can't get it back. So why waste it on them? Them! They embarrassed themselves at home. The place was packed. The window was actually open to fully embrace a new era, welcome in a new generation of believers. But no, they tricked it off. This is who they are now. Low-key, probably who they have always been. So why do it? I mean, they got you already. They got your bread, the check's been cashed. Why invest anymore? Now, you know, normally I don't spend too much time on things like this, but this really matters to me. Let it go. I'm here for you. Let the Knicks go. Oh, oh, you you thought I was talking about Dipset. Oh. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Let, let's. It's not a yeah, but nah. Like, yes. But I mean... We talking about the Knicks, though. <laughs> I mean, Knicks tape. You got to let that hurt go, bro. Y'all got to let that go. I, I don't know what y'all going to do, Knicks tape. But if you somehow think that a man with bad knees is going to come to the Knicks and not have whatever's left in those meniscuses torn out, you crazy. I'll throw up the X for Kemba one time. I'll throw up the X. But if you think Kemba Walker coming home to play in the Mecca is going to do something for them knees, them knees that couldn't save him in Boston, them knees that got him shipped out of there the minute the boy genius took over player personnel, you think the meniscus tearing taskmaster knows something that the alleged boy genius doesn't? I mean, good luck with that. You think they're going to load manage? 
Kimball Walker's bad knees? Y'all think that's going to happen? Y'all think that's going to be a thing that exists? Man's had Julius and RJ top three in minutes played. And you're going to go bring in your big free agent acquisition. Is you go raid the Celtics scraps. They had a horrific trade acquisition in Evan Fournier. You go give him a bag. Kimber Walker was ineffective as a third option with the Celtics. Now you bring him here to be your third option? Or wait, he's the second option? And if he is, has anyone told RJ that? And then wait, when Derrick Rose comes on the court, Where's RJ then? Oh, wait, what if Quickly's on the floor? If they go small, where's RJ then? Hmm. But okay. I mean, the meniscus tearing Taskmaster's uh, offensive schemes are so fluid that everyone touches the... Hmm, no, that's not... That's not how that works. It's actually no offensive scheme. It's iso ball with a bunch of screens. Hmm. Okay. So, well, I mean, if I want to spin this forward, Evan Fournier comes in and he spreads the floor and he gets shots. Well, no, because remember when he got traded to Boston, he didn't like make a shot for like the first couple of games. He was like 0 for 8. And yeah. Hmm. So, Knicks tape, fresh off a of four seed. Fresh off getting embarrassed at home. Comes out with all this cap space. Again, the allure of cap space. Dame's in play. The point fraud's in play. Kawhi's in play. Everyone's in play. And all I saw this offseason, or this free agency that's still ongoing, is that what the Knicks have been known for is still happening. Free agents pull up, they leverage the Knicks and their money because they got all this cap space, and they go get more money from other teams. Damn near half the free agent class has all said they turned down money from the Knicks to go play somewhere else. They had dreams of Dame, dreams of Kawhi. Visions of the point fraud. Even Lowry. And all they have to show for it is Kemba and Fournier. Where are the Knicks next year? Knicks fans have already told me they're not better than the Bulls. So if I'm saying the Bulls are seven... That places the Knicks where? Let's do the math. That's eight. That's playing. All this cap space, and you go from a four seed to potentially in the play-in. But they still got the dangling carrot of we can go get another player. What are you giving up for that player? You think Obi's a piece? You think RJ's a piece? Or let me guess, you could just flip Fournier for Dame? Fournier and Kemba for Dame now? Since the contracts are closer than matching up? We're going to go do that? Portland's going to take back Kemba for giving away their franchise? That's how this is going to go? Fucking clueless you know what it is appreciate y'all for listening y'all know i had to give y'all something we do weekly pods around these parts and i can tell you for those who have been listening this is probably going to be the scheduling going forward where you're getting pods later in the week a friday saturday type scenario this is how my schedule is looking to be planning out 
So we're going to softly, tentatively say, look for episodes dropping Friday or Saturday instead of the usual earlier in the week stuff. I got too much going on from a work perspective, um, especially as we come up on NFL beginning here. So I think we're going to focus on episodes dropping later in the week, Friday, Saturday. So this is why you're getting it then. So we'll, we'll see how long that goes, if that changes. Y'all know how I do. I always alert y'all to what's going on with the pod. So appreciate y'all for listening. Subscribe in all the usual places. Support the pod any way you can, whether that's sharing it, playing it for someone. If you like it, cool. If you don't, that's cool too. But you gave me a chance and that's all I can ask for. For the Sam D Podcast, I'm the Sam D. I'm out.